Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. The scripture this morning is Matthew 16, verse 26. For those following along in the Pew Bibles, it is 1518, page 1518. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Please be seated. Good morning. God is good all the time. I'm not going to mind in the least having my hair colored orange. First of all, because I'm a UT Vols fan. Secondly, because of the fundraiser, I guess. I know I got my priorities out of whack, but especially since they really handed it to Vandy yesterday, one of the big rivalries that we have. And also, just so uh, uh, you know, I, I was asked by a few, are you going to rap Eminem's song based on the sermon title? Tempting though it may be, and I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I will not be rapping that song. There's a whole percentage of the congregation going, what's he talking about? But you're not missing out on anything at all, I promise you this. So... What is it either now or at some point in the past that you have pursued, that you've wanted, that you've maybe, let's set faith aside. Obviously, we all want to go to heaven when we die. We want to love and serve the Lord, love our neighbor and all those things. That's a good goal, yes. But when we're younger, we we have other things in mind. Maybe it's uh, a, a certain vehicle, right? I, you know, I, I remember when I was, I got my first truck, Now, you could do this in Tennessee. I don't know if you could do it in Kentucky. But I had a a Chevrolet, and I had the uh, the exhaust, uh, what was it, the the exhaust pipe where it was straight, and it it made it a lot louder. didn't have the muffler on it at all. And I thought I was big stuff. But then you see some of these other kids and the cars they were driving around, and you're like, man. I want one of those, like this one guy, I remember there's one guy, football player, Derek Duncan, he had the sweetest ride. And I was like, I really want that truck. But then you get to graduation and you go on and you want other things. And some of us, when we want something, we pursue it almost obsessively compulsively. It's all we ever think about. It's all that we could ever do. It's all that we want to focus on. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with determination and grit, but it's easy for a person, if they're not careful, to lose themselves as they are pursuing these. And as Jesus asks, what does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? So it's possible in the pursuit of whatever we want, it's possible that we will in exchange give up our faith. Now, when Jesus said this, he wasn't speaking to a bunch of lost people. He was speaking to his disciples. Just a few verses earlier, uh, he told them how he had to go to Jerusalem and he must suffer many things at the hands of the priests and the elders of the city. And Peter said, no, 
that will never happen. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are not thinking, but for you are thinking as a man and you are not thinking as a spiritual person or as heavenly matters. And so he goes from that and, and it's a good point. You're focusing on earthly things. You're thinking very earthly. And if you think very earthly, it won't be too long before that's the way that you live. If you've got a Bible, look at Colossians chapter 3. If you're in Matthew, just take a hard right and you'll go through and you will eventually find Colossians right after Philippians. Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes, If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now, if you back up to chapter 2, verse 12, in this same book, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. So when you get to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, if then you were raised with Christ, he's building off of something that he's already said. If you have made that commitment and you have been buried with Christ in baptism and raised with him by faith through the working of God, seek those things which are above. Now we know that's what we're supposed to do, but we have a lot of other things as well, right? We have bills, we have families, we have careers and various other things that occupy our mind. And I don't think Paul is saying, think nothing whatsoever of God and this or of the world, but think more of God within the world, as you live your life, as you pay your bills, as you pursue your goals, and so forth. Because sometimes what we pursue that we think is good can actually become bad. And I'll explain that in a second. I was listening to a podcast, uh, two celebrities were talking, and they got to a part where they were talking about when they first started out. They first started out, one guy, he said, you know, I was pretty much living on what I could find uh, sometimes it was scrap, sometimes it was this. One guy was, was like, yeah, I lived in my car for like a month. And they were talking about how they were pursuing their careers. And they got what they wanted. They became very successful. So money would never be a problem again. But they, they talked about how struggling so early on really helped them to be grateful for what they had. It doesn't mean because they're successful that they've lost themselves. But in the pursuit of whatever it is, maybe it's a degree. One thing I always like to remind any college student, right? Because when, when you live in your mind, in your world, what you're facing, it could be the best or the worst. And something I've been telling myself a lot lately is at least you don't live in Israel or Gaza. That is far worse than the little problems that I have. Uh, another one that I have told Bree and I've, I, I told someone else this morning, I said, you know, you know, finals, tests, all these things that you go, well, think about it this way. Those of you that are college students, when my great grandfather was your age, he was in a uniform being sent to Italy to fight for the nation. Your exam is not that difficult. It's a, it's a privilege. It's a high class problem and a blessing to be able to be here 
and all you have to focus on are studies. That is a blessing. So sometimes we do need a little bit of perspective. So when you arrive at your goal and you work hard to achieve it, what do you do then? Because that's how we live our lives. We, we aim for something, we get there or we obtain it, and then we go, I want more. I want more. First of all, greed can become regret. Second Samuel 12, Nathan came to David and asked him, why have you destroyed the, despised the commandment of the Lord to do no evil in his sight? You've killed Uriah the Hittite with your sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. He goes on. Thus says the Lord, behold, I'll raise up adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. Most of us are familiar with this story of David and Bathsheba. Now, David had not only wife, his wives, his concubines, he had plenty of women to choose from. So he became greedy. He was walking on the rooftop of his palace one day. Now, a lot of people blame Bathsheba. They say, well, she should not have been in the open without clothes. Here, but you got to understand how houses were built then. So the common house in that time and in that part of the world, you had probably about an eight to 10 foot wall that went around in a square. And within you had your atrium and you would have your, your rooms built off of that wall. And so it would be logical that if you had a fountain of any kind or, or something, that it might be right there in the middle. But David is on a palace, probably two, maybe three stories. So he's walking around and he just sees over into where she is bathing. And rather than, if you look at the beginning of the story, it says, starting the story, at the time when kings went to war, David was walking on the roof of his palace. So already the author is telling us right there, the kings are already at war, but here's David. Normally, David would have been with his guys, but he's being idle. So he looks over and he sees this beautiful woman who's bathing. So he has a servant go and fetch her. And she comes because she doesn't have much of a choice in the matter. So she comes and, and, and David uh, uh, fornicates with her, commits adultery with her, and then finds out she's pregnant. And so he has this elaborate plan. He says, I'm going to call Uriah back. And so he calls Uriah back from the front. And he says, how's it going? Tell me, give me a report. And Uriah gives him a report. He says, okay, uh, go, uh, uh, go home, spend the night with your wife, have a good evening, and then go back. And Uriah said, I can't do it. My men are out there fighting. I can in good conscience with my head and my heart being with my man, go to my wife. So he didn't, and so David had to come up with another plan. The other plan was, he said, put Uriah in the front, and when the fighting gets heavy, draw back, leaving him in the front. And so when God says, you cut him down with the sword of the people of Ammon, that's exactly what he did. And so David, he did this thing secretly, and he thought he could get away with it, but God knew it. And what, what would result was that 
David's shame would be made public. And if you read from this point on, the son that was conceived in adultery died. One of his other sons, Amnon, raped his daughter, Tamar. And Tamar's brother, Absalom, was moved to anger because David didn't deal with Amnon as he thought he should. So Absalom murders Amnon, and then he tries to displace his father as king, and he tries to take the throne for himself. Meanwhile, Absalom is the man who consorts with all of David's wives in public before the sun. So there's a very strong message in this. One moment of regret can lead to a lifetime of shame. One moment of regret can lead to a lifetime of shame. So when we pursue, when we want, when we want to have what it is we're pursuing, <clears throat> we have to be careful because greed can become regret. And I dare say if you had to ask David, do you regret it, David? Yeah, because look at all that followed. Look at all that followed. Secondly, wealth can become poverty. To the church at Thess uh, uh, Laodicea, Jesus says, because you say, I'm rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see." The Laodiceans, if you, if you study the history of this place, this was a wealthy city. Uh, the location made it a significant point in trade routes. And because of this, it became, it became the Wall Street of the ancient world. So you think about Wall Street, you think about all the banks, you think about all the money that this place would have possessed. Now, <clears throat> in the year 60, an earthquake destroyed the city and Rome was going to send aid to rebuild it. But the city of Laodicea said, we're good. We've got our own money. And so they rebuilt their city with their own money. So they had everything physically. We might say, I wish I was more like Laodicea. But spiritually, we have to realize our dependence on Christ. They said we're wealthy. We have need of nothing. Jesus said, yeah, you do. You just, don't, you just don't see it. You don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. There was, in Laodicea, a, a powder that was made into an eye salve that they sold from there. So you notice Jesus uses the play on what he knows about this place. Uh, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Now, when we think of black sheep, what do you think of? You think of that family member, right? You already had a name pop in your head, the black sheep of the family. But in the ancient world, black sheep, they're, they're, uh, it was to, to have garments made out from black sheep, that was a luxury. And in Laodicea, they not only made those clothes, sold them and, and exported them from there. So They've got all these things going for them. They have avenues of merchandise. They have a thriving economy. They think we're happy, we're content, we don't need anything. But Jesus looks beyond the material. Jesus looks beyond our happiness. That's something that people say, well, God would want you to be happy. Be very cautious about buying that because 
your definition of happiness and God's are probably going to be different. They thought they were happy, but Jesus says you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So what do we do? We pray and we go, Lord, I thank you for our blessings. I thank you for my house. I thank you for what's in my bank account. I thank you for the... Is it a blessing, though? If it causes you and me to take our eyes off of the Lord, our wealth turns into poverty. Don't lose yourself. Success can become failure. I love this line, uh, this passage in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means the second giving of the law. So Moses gave the law there in Sinai. Now they're standing right by the river Jordan, looking over into the promised land. He said, let me remind you once more. And in Deuteronomy 8, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the filthy rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. And then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Don't forget the Lord your God. He repeats that line. Because it's easy. You get to the point and you say, I've made it. Look how hard I've worked. Blood, sweat, and tears. You can always give God thanks. First of all, I have a mind and somewhat a moniker of intelligence. That has been an aid. I could have been in a car wreck or suffer, suffered a traumatic brain injury or something else, been oxygen deprived for some health reason and lost my mental faculty. God has given me this. God has placed, none of us get to choose where we're born but we were born here in this great country and we have many, many blessings as a result of that materially, but also as far as opportunity goes. There are immigrants that's, that try to come here and they try to come here because of the hope of building a better future for their family. Some leave because of persecution. Some leave because of poverty but they want to come here. So if you ever find yourself depressed or complaining about the country, just remember you can always leave. And while you do, there's a whole group that's trying to get in. Success can become failure. If you think, I have done all this, look at my power and the might of my hands, all that I've done, 
Instead, rather, God has blessed me. And so now what will you do with this wealth? What will you do with this success? Will you strut around like a peacock with your chest all out? Peacocks are pretty, by the way. Not to, not to disdain a peacock. They're real pretty. Or will you give glory to God and give back what you can? The only people that will ever remember all the overtime you worked will be your wife and your children or your husband and your children. I've talked to many a people who were dying. And I'll tell you this, not one of them has ever said to me, I wish I'd have spent more time at the office. They say something along the lines of, I wish I'd have been a better spouse. I wish I'd have taken the family to church at a much younger age. One brother in Christ told me just that, went to his house, uh, visited with him and his wife, cattle farmer, big old burly man, real nice though. They told me just recently he had obeyed the gospel. And so, uh, you know, it probably in his 60s, 70s, so that, that was neat to me. And I'm like, hey, I, I just heard this happen just a few months ago. I just wanted to meet you. And, you know, it's, it's wonderful to hear. And as we spoke, he said, I've got a regret. And I said, well, what's that? He said, because I wasn't a faithful man to the Lord when I was younger, my children have never darkened the door of a church and probably never will. That was his regret. So as we pursue what we pursue, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Don't lose yourself. Keep your eyes focused on the Lord. And if those great things come, give him thanks for them. And ask him to use you how he can. You don't have to be a preacher for God to use you. You could be a school teacher and God can use you. You could be a nurse and God can use you. God uses everybody only if we will deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow him. So the one thing that I'd never want, and if I've had this talk with my children, um, you know, you're doing so good. I'm so proud of who you are. I'm proud of what you're accomplishing. I'm proud of what you're pursuing. I couldn't be a prouder dad. But please, don't ever forget God. Don't ever put him on a back burner. Don't forget him. Make him center. Go forth, conquer the world, become the best you can be. And I'll be there cheering you right on. But do this, find something that you love doing and that will glorify God and mom and dad's going to be happy. But don't forget God. So I say to us, maybe we need the reset to, to, to refocus our minds because I know it's easy to get sidelined by uh, the things that we're looking out for the things that we want, the things that we pursue, whatever that may be for each of you. But at the end of the day, there's something you can always say, no matter how hard the day has been, God loves me. Jesus died for me. I have the hope of eternal life, never to die again, never to deal with diseases, sicknesses, hospitals, hospices, and so on. That's my greatest blessing.
It's a blessing that we want all of you to have too. If you've never obeyed the gospel, I want to encourage you to give it serious thought, but not only serious thought, but you need to take action. You've got people here that love you, that care about you greatly, and we want to see you in heaven. We want to be right there with you. So if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord asks for you to confess that openly and willingly, to repent of your sins. And just like those in Colossians 3, to be buried and to rise again with the Lord by faith and the powerful working of the Lord. Believe, confess, repent, and be buried with him in, baptized, uh, in baptism. Then you become a child of God. And then you have these hopes. But for the Christian that may need prayers, maybe you've really gotten off the beat. That narrow path that Jesus said. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Broad is the path that leads to eternal death. Don't go trying to make a hit on Broadway. Stay on that narrow path. But if you've gotten off of it, you know God loves you and he wants to forgive you. But you need to confess to him and pray for his forgiveness. So we offer an invitation, if it's your wish or desire to be aided in either of these, just make your way to the front as we stand and sing.